in my last year of college, I worked as uh, a resident assistant, an RA, uh, in one of the dorms. Before our student residents arrived on campus, we spent two weeks in RA training. It was fun getting to know the other RAs I'd be working with while also learning things like CPR, first aid, how to resolve conflict between roommates, and even the more mundane things like the required student life paperwork you had to fill out for each on-call shift. But more than anything, the training that we uh, endured sought to equip us to be caring fellow students to our residents. It, it uh, inspired us to, to be a listening ear, a confidant, a friend. These lessons and experiences have stayed with me and taught me a lot about ministry as well. In our gospel lesson this week, we see Jesus training up his disciples in a similar way. He's not giving them an in-depth theology lesson. He's not teaching them how to run a church council meeting. Rather, he's training them to both see and live into God's reign and kingdom now. And his favored way of training his disciples was through parables. If you recall from last week, the parables of Jesus present one thing in terms of another, often comparing the kingdom of God to an ordinary, everyday part of life. But these parables are never as simple as they first appear. They're neither monolithic, one meaning, nor are they rational, because they give us a glimpse of God's reign and God's view of heaven and earth. What's fair, what's sensible to God will rightly puzzle us, because God's always far more loving and forgiving than we can ever fathom. Our lesson includes five parables in three distinct thematic sets. The first set includes the parables of the mustard seed and yeast. At first glance, these seem to be straightforward teachings about the kingdom, beginning with small, humble roots, but grow to a significant size for the benefit of all. This is certainly a fair reading, but as I said before, these parables are always more complicated than they appear at first glance. Scholar Tom Long reminded me this week that the mustard seed parable is chock full of hyperbole. For one, the mustard seed was small, but it certainly wasn't the smallest seed known to people in Jesus' day. And it's an obvious exaggeration to say that it grew to be the greatest of all shrubs. Jesus had plenty of other trees to use as images here. If you think in terms of biblical images of the cedars of Lebanon... But instead, he offers the image of a mustard bush, not a tree, it's a shrub. Long reflects here that, yes, the kingdom grows from a small seed into something much greater. But this greatness may not take the form we expect. The parable of the yeast has a similar surprise in it, as at first glance it seems like a harmless illustration about a woman baking bread. But there's some built-in complexity. First is that in Jesus' day, yeast was a common symbol of corruption. Something like rust, that once it occurs, it infiltrates, it takes over something. And as Long points out, our Bibles hide another feature, 
as this woman doesn't simply mix the yeast into the flour, as our, as our English Bibles tells us, the Greek clearly says that she hides it in there. This act is a stealth maneuver. God's kingdom isn't simply mixing itself pleasantly into this world with all of its suffering and brokenness. No. God's kingdom is infiltrating it, pervading it, working like the process of fermentation, transforming basic flour into what Long says, something that becomes the very bread of life. Like I said, friends, there's always more to these parables than first meets the eye. This is the kind of training Jesus is offering his disciples. The next two um, parables are of the treasure in the field and of the pearl merchant. Both people discover something of immense value, the treasure of the fine pearl, and they become so enamored with it that they sell everything that they have in order to possess it. Both parables ask disciples to reconsider what is valuable in light of the kingdom. It's a reminder that God's work is to take the first place in the disciples' life. The point Jesus seems to be driving home is that an experience of the living God causes one to completely reorient their lives in order to live into God's reign and kingdom here and now. Now, the final parable is one that surely spoke to Jesus' fishermen disciples. He says, the kingdom is like a net cast wide and deep into the sea, catching fish big and small of every kind, and I'm sure from my own fishing experiences, plenty of seaweed as well. But this catch isn't sorted until the boat is brought ashore. The fishing parable spoke not only to the disciples, but seems to be directed at the early Christian community to which Matthew addresses his gospel. The message here seems to be similar to that of last week, of leaving judgment to God. The image of the kingdom as of the church is to cast a net deep and wide, rather than picking and choosing who is in. Instead, our task is to welcome all, to welcome all to, who seek to live out the life of faith in community. The act of judging or of sorting is a task that is left to God alone. As disciples, we're called to cast our nets of welcome out into the deep, trusting God's spirit to work in and through the church. So here we're left with three sets of parables, and really more in between the, the uh, part of our text that skips ahead in verses, to which Jesus at the end gives a simple, have you understood all this? I wonder if Jesus said this question with a smirk in his eye, because none of these parables are simple to understand, nor are their messages easy to live by. I think Jesus' method becomes clear as, surprise, surprise, he ends with one more parable, that every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Jesus is using these parables for the purpose of training his disciples for the kingdom, 
training them for the very reign of God. To see it, to live it now, and to believe it. The word training here is actually a form of the word disciple in Greek, mathetes. And the odd uh, verb form of the word used here would more literally be translated as those having been discipled. Jesus' mode of discipling the disciples is through telling parables, through giving them glimpses of God's reign and kingdom that they might see it, that they might believe it, and most importantly, they might live it. He's trying to give them parable eyes, as if he's giving them a new set of lenses to see the world, to see their neighbor, and to see their God with a renewed vision. It's through these lenses that they're able to bring out treasure from both what is old and what is new. And this is the task of the church in this day and any day. To look for and to see God at work in our world. To participate in God's reign of justice and peace indwelling among us here and now. Jesus gives us a new vision, a new way of looking at the world. So friends, may we seek to see our world and to see one another through parable eyes, through new lenses, training more and more to be the disciples Christ has called us to be and Christ seeks to train us to be, that we might proclaim God's reign and live out God's way of justice and love. Friends, may it be so for us May it be so for the church, and may it be so for all of God's children. Amen.